Today's episode of Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunks.robinhood.com. That's dunks.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.com backslash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops podcast. I am your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by our resident fantasy hoops expert, Eric Wong, a.k.a. Roto Evil, a.k.a. Aquaman now that uh, learned a little something about Eric this week, uh, found out that he was a swimmer in college. Uh, Eric gave uh, myself and and our producer here a poll on what sport he played in college. He had like tennis and uh, ultimate frisbee and swimming and soccer and basketball. And swimming was probably going to be my last choice. It turned out that Eric was a swimmer. So, Eric, I'm just curious before we dive into fantasy hoops. uh, First of all, where did you go to school and what was your kind of go to swimming event? Right, so I uh, went to UC Santa Cruz, Banana Slugs. Oh, nice. And uh, that's why I mentioned the Ultimate Frisbee thing is because I, I think that was just an intramural sport, but they took that very seriously, and they had like some serious tournaments there, and colleges would come from all over to, to play that sport, so it's kind of a, a very popular sport there. I had about a six-month window where I might have been able to play college ultimate frisbee. Um, <laughs> I was a runner, uh, but we we played a ton of ultimate frisbee when I first started uh, started out working for a company called Starwave that built ESPN's website. Uh, but they were always about ultimate frisbee at lunchtime. We'd all go out there. So. Um, uh, anyways, I'm uh, digressing. I, let's get back to the focus on you and your swimming here. So, what was your what was your event? Right. So, I'm a, I was a sprinter, uh, definitely more of a sprint athlete than an endurance athlete. And so, I did a sprint butterfly, sprint freestyle. Okay. And uh, you did that for what four years? Yes. Uh, Kind of uh, didn't make it through the senior year, kind of burnt out. But uh, yeah, swim. Uh, oh, wow, that's swim. respect, man. Swimming that that does not seem like an easy sport at a competitive level. Um, so uh, good for you, and you're still swimming. I just signed up for a meet tomorrow, trying to get back into it. They call it the the resolution meet. So you know, for the people who are trying to dedicate themselves to getting getting in better shape and so i guess that's the idea behind it and and uh you are going to do it 
Uh, yep, I, I signed up, so no backing out now. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. All right, well, before we before you get to the swimming event this weekend, we got to talk some fantasy hoops. So, uh, uh, really quickly, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Brandon Funston. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil. You can catch Eric's columns on the Athletic. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at the Athletic FS. Or you can, of course, go to theathletic.com's uh, fantasy basketball page and check out Eric's stuff there. And if you'd like a subscription to The Athletic, uh, you can get 40% off by going to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. And a subscription will also allow you to check out all of our NBA podcasts, which includes No Dunks, Back to Back, Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge, and The Daily Ding. We also have several great team-specific NBA podcasts as well. Definitely check that out if you want to get a subscription here. And as I said, you can uh, catch Eric's columns uh, uh, on The Athletic. And usually uh, our podcast, we kind of dive into your latest column in-depth. This week's column is a little bit different. It was basically if you're a struggling fantasy hoops team – uh, what are you going to do to turn it around? And so it wasn't a, a ton player specific. It was more uh, ph- philosophical about, you know, your owner management, uh, the rest of the way and the key things you need to do. So I think before we dive into some player stuff, why don't we go ahead and, and go to your column and just if you're just happen to be, you know, a struggling fantasy team right now, maybe middle of the pack or you're, you're down low. I think you have some uh, ideas for all these owners to help turn things around. Why don't you go ahead and run through your key takeaways there? Sure. So the first thing I mentioned was to look at the games played discrepancies. Um, And so as I was kind of browsing uh, the top teams in all of my leagues, I noticed that a whole bunch of the top teams, whether mine or other people's teams had Devontae Graham. And that's not a huge surprise since, uh, I mean, he's basically been the top pick of the pickup of the season, and it's almost like you got an extra second or third round pick for free. And so it's not surprising to see him on a lot of the top teams. But another reason why uh, that's that's the case is because the Hornets have had a front uh, loaded schedule. And so they've kind of been ahead of all the other teams in terms of games played since the beginning of the season. So as of today, they've played 40 games already, and uh, the league average is at 38. And uh, a few teams are at 36 games. Right now, that's the Spurs, Celtics, and Nets. And that's a, that's a big difference, you know. Uh, you know, it's basically an extra week of games for that the Hornets have played over those teams. And, I mean, if your team is spread out where you have, uh, you know, guys across across the spectrum of games played, then it's not not going to be that much of a difference. But if you have multiple players on those teams that are below the league average, uh, that should be encouraging for you. So that's just something to look at. You know, maybe the, the top team in your league has a whole bunch of guys who are on those teams that are above the league average and your team has several guys below the league average, then, uh, you know, you can kind of uh, be encouraged by that and know that your team will have some extra games from here on out. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned, you know, that could be the, the game's played discrepancy. It could be a kind of a sneaky way. Uh, one of your other kind of, uh, you know, takeaways for helping to turn things around is to shake up your roster via trades, and you can use that game's played maybe as an advantage for targeting maybe some of these players. If you have two 
two players that you're considering, uh, you know, you're going to consider trading one player for another player. If you get the, you know, the second half games played advantage, uh, you know, you might be able to dupe uh, the person that you're trading with because they may not, may not even be looking at that, right? Right, most definitely. I think teams in head-to-head leagues will focus on the, the playoff weeks at least. But, uh, yeah, they might not be looking at the actual total number of games played. So that's uh, definitely a way to gain an advantage if you can earn a few extra games via trade. Right. And so another uh, another idea you had is to go after high upside pickups rather than playing it safe. Do you have like uh, maybe an example or two of what you're talking about? Uh, you know, this player instead of that player uh, based upon this idea? Right. Well, uh, one of, a couple guys I mentioned in the article were uh, one of the popular pickups last week was Shabazz Napier. He had scored a bunch of 20-point games, and uh, obviously he's benefited from Carl Anthony Towns being out. All those guys uh, have been getting more shots, but instead of going after Napier, who's a veteran who hasn't really had uh, much staying power throughout his career, he's had some short spurts of productivity, but uh, I figure he doesn't have a ton of upside or much staying power, so I went for one of his teammates, Jarrett Culver, instead as a top pickup. Obviously, he was a lottery pick and has really struggled the first couple months of his rookie season. But I've been watching uh, some Minnesota games, and he's looking a lot more comfortable on the floor, getting to the rim pretty easily. And uh, his development is important for that Minnesota team that uh, is kind of falling out of the playoff race. And I figure they'll want to keep his minutes up, and you figure that uh, he'll just get better as the season goes on. So I kind of like that upside play over the kind of playing it safe for the veteran who's simply had uh, uh, some strong scoring games, but will probably fade away soon. Right. And Culver's interesting. You do a lot of things, good defensive numbers. One thing he struggled with, although it's been a little bit of an uptick of late, is the field goal percentage where he's still below 40%, though, on the season at 38%. So that might be an example of something where if you're going after Culver and you're you're struggling on field goal percentage, um, you would have to consider maybe just punting that category. And that's something you mentioned as your fourth kind of key takeaway here is uh, assess your team and decide if it's time to fully punt the category and uh, maybe talk about the mindset or what you would need to see with your team to go ahead and make that decision to punt a, a, a particular category. Sure. So punting categories is something that head-to-head category uh, players should be well aware of and probably were thinking about on draft day when forming their team. But it's something that maybe Roto-Leaguers don't look at as much. But as I mentioned in the column, I was kind of looking at one of my teams that is middle of the pack in the overall standings, but uh, I feel is, is still a pretty strong, talented team. And I talk about my uh, center duo of Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, which is really awesome one-two punch. But of course, Sabonis doesn't uh, block a lot of shots. And then the rest of my roster is more small forwards and lots of quality guards. So that team is really struggled in uh, blocking shots. And I notice it's more than 20 blocks behind the team ahead of it. And so I think I'm ready to just give up on that category, stop trying to move up in that in the standings in that area and just focus on trying to dominate those other categories and and see if it can move up the standings. 
Now, do you play in any uh, any leagues where it's head to head, where it's it's one win or one loss at the end of the week, as opposed to category win totals? I'm in. Um, yes, I'm in one of those leagues. Because that's that's one of those kind of things where you could you you might go into a draft just deciding to punt multiple categories, just trying to get the you know getting the just the overall edge for the win. But uh, when you talk about punting categories, it's it's basically just for for roto and for the the category win leagues and head to head. Right, right, uh, yeah. But still, for for those head to head category leagues, maybe. You intended to punt one, but then another one you thought you would be competitive and you've kind of struggled. So it's important to just kind of assess your team, uh, take a take a good look at how, how it's done throughout the season and decide if you want to make some changes there. Yeah, you know, one thing I've, I've noticed, and there's lots of basketball to play, so those are, those are some great kind of tips for uh, keeping yourself you know, involved and getting things turned around. And I would just say, you know, one of the best things I've always found is just to grind in the second half. If you're a struggling team, there's other struggling teams. And if you decide to just, you know, keep grinding, keep churning your roster and just keep playing, a lot of guys will check out and you can make up ground right there um, as well. So, uh, so definitely, if you're a struggling team, check out Eric's uh, column on the athletic and he'll go into, you know, greater detail in that column, if you want to kind of dissect uh, that and help turn your team around, but we're going to move on uh, to the latest injury news. There's some big names out there right now, uh, either hoping to come back from injury or just going down uh, in the last, in the past week. And uh, we're going to be waiting around for him. So why don't we start with Kyrie Irving, who's one of those guys that we're hoping uh, actually is going to get back on the court soon. He's been out since November 14th. Uh, What are you thinking about Kyrie right now? Yeah, that was kind of uh, one of the big surprises this past week, since there's been so little news on him. And the last news we heard, it was kind of sounding, uh, pessimistic about his uh, return. It sounded like he was leaning towards having shoulder surgery, but uh, the latest the latest update on him is that he's went through a full contact practice uh, yesterday on Thursday, said he felt pretty good afterwards, and hinted that he's trying to return in the next week or so. Uh, he has a quote saying, it could be less than that, but I'm going to give myself a week and just see where we go from there without it. With another evaluation, And so I would say Kyrie Irving owners should cross their fingers because that's he's definitely not guaranteed uh, to come back and be okay. He could easily suffer a setback. Uh, The pain could come back or persist, in which case surgery would probably be the option. He has to still be concerned about his long-term health, and uh, I'm sure he would love to play next season with Kevin Durant, so he doesn't want to risk... uh, uh, that not happening by continuing to play through injury. So it's something that owners will need to continue to monitor. But of course, it has a huge impact on, of course, Irving himself. But then Spencer Dimwitty, who has played like an all-star in his absence, Karis LeVert, who has the potential to put up big-time stats. But we'll see uh, what impact Irving has on him. And then also Garrett Temple, who has been a nice kind of pickup uh, while those Brooklyn guys have been hurt. And uh, if Irving does come back, that would really kind of kill Temple's value. What kind of investment do you have in Irving? Like how, uh, how invested are you in him? I believe I, 
I believe I drafted him in my very first draft, and that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, is this one of those things where if Kyrie comes back and has a few good games, like to me, he's hot potato. I would try to, I would try to trade him as soon as he gets any kind of a, a you know, a value bump based upon him returning and playing. Uh, are you, are you in a similar boat as me on that? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Once he has one of those big forty-point explosions, I would kind of be shopping him around. I think. Yeah, it's, I'm sure you're not going to fool too many people, and you know they know why you would be trying to trade him. But you never know; uh, it's worth a try. Uh, all right, let's talk about Joel Embiid, who is not have a foot injury; he has a hand injury. Uh, typically, you know, you worry about his feet, but uh, this time it's a torn ligament in his hand. It will require surgery. I was seeing that one to two weeks. It seems like an awfully quick turnaround. Uh, what are you thinking on Joel Embiid's injury? Yeah, I agree. I was surprised to see that. Uh, I'm I'm assuming it'll be the a full two weeks or more, and uh, that's something to be concerned about because uh, he's been healthy up to this point and has actually played in uh, uh, back-to-backs this year. But the Sixers will probably be uh, treating him more carefully now uh, due to this injury, and I would say that's great news for Al Horford owners. He, he had kind of been struggling after a hot start, but he definitely gets a, a strong short-term boost uh, while Embiid is out. And uh, if you have Ben Simmons, you should be very encouraged because it's kind of his team now. He played 39 minutes uh, on Thursday, and the 76ers still beat the Celtics, which was pretty impressive. Uh, Mike Scott moved into the starting lineup for Embiid, only scored seven points, four rebounds in 26 minutes, but he's uh, capable of getting hot, making some threes. He could have minor value in deeper leagues as a short-term pickup, someone to consider there. And I'd say uh, Josh Richardson also gets a nice boost, uh, scored 29 points on Thursday, got to the free throw line uh, 10 times, season high. So he'll be more aggressive while Embiid is out and uh, kind of faster-paced style of play without Embiid on the floor. You know, it's, I, I was sitting around having coffee after my morning basketball run. We always, uh, the guys that play, we always go down and have coffee. And uh, one of the guys there likes to talk NBA with me. And he was saying, he was hearing rumors of Ben Simmons potentially being on the block. And, and that we're going to talk about uh, some players that could potentially be traded uh, before the trade deadline coming up here in a little bit. But Ben Simmons wasn't one we were going to talk about. I'm just curious. Have you heard these rumors that they're shopping him or you think that's a good idea even if you haven't heard the rumors uh you know i i may have seen something like that but i don't put any uh (laughs) belief into that i think uh their smart move would to be hold on to him he's simply too young and talented they would have to get a huge offer to even consider moving him at this point i would think yeah, I'm sure it would take a lot. Uh, I agree. Uh, all right, another guy. This one, uh, Wendell Carter, bowls out four to six weeks with a severe high right ankle sprain. And uh, why don't you uh, tell us what that's going to mean for the Bulls? And then I might have a question about my fantasy team where uh, <laughs> where I have Carter uh, among a few others that are injured. So uh, why don't you discuss the impact on the Bulls here and what that means for the fantasy value of guys around him? Sure. It's a pretty serious uh, ankle sprain for Carter. means he probably won't be back until after the All-Star break. You know, for the guys that are – potentially could come back before the All-Star break. It kind of just makes sense to give him that extra 10 days of rest, right, and not bring him back until after the All-Star break. 
it's going to be tricky to figure out what to do with Carter. Uh, kind of depends on who's available in your leagues and uh, the, how, how deep your leagues go. But in the meantime, Thaddeus Young should be a strong, uh, strong pickup while he's out. He was promoted to the starting lineup last game, responded well. Scored 18 points, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, 3 trays in 35 minutes. He's always been a good steals guy, but I would not expect the multiple threes every game. But definitely he's looking like a strong pickup in most leagues. And then Daniel Gafford should get some more run now. Very athletic young big man can help out owners who want some shot blocking help. And I would say uh, keep an eye on Kobe White as well. He's been very up and down, inconsistent player, streaky scorer. But the Bulls kind of need his scoring punch off the bench now that Thaddeus Young has been promoted uh, to the starting lineup. Their bench is even weaker, so he should get plenty of shots uh, coming off the bench for them. Okay, so I mentioned my fantasy team. I have Wendell Carter, and I have Michael Conley, and I have Jonathan Isaac. And I haven't made a move on um, who I should cut. Or you know, I, It's a 10-team league, so the replacement value is pretty high. Uh, should I cut all three of those guys? I'm looking at guys like Dennis Schroeder, uh, Kevin Herter, and and DeLon Wright are on the wire. Uh, Ines Cantor is a big man available. I kind of need rebounds and assists. So um, I was looking at Herter and, and Wright because you can get like three to four rebounds, three to four assists from both of them. They've, they've been playing pretty decent of late. Uh, Schroeder is owned in like 80% of leagues, so he's kind of surprisingly available as well. Um, in a 10-team league, Wendell Carter, Michael Conley, Jonathan Isaac, are you cutting all three of those guys? Right. I I would recommend cutting all three of those guys. So I'm pretty yeah. shocked that Dennis Schroeder is available. Was he recently dropped or has he been available all season long? I, I think uh, he's been available at least the last couple of weeks. I know that. He may have been dropped before that, but he's been a guy that I've, uh, I've been looking at. I have, it's, a, it's a good team. I have a bunch of guys, and so um, I can, I, you know, I've been – I just wanted to make sure uh, before cutting loose Jonathan Isaac and and now Carter, which just happened, um, that that you thought the replacement value on those guys would be good enough that uh, it was worth it. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Isaac is a is a strong cut. The, I saw that uh, Orlando today applied for the uh, disabled player exemption, meaning they expect him to be missed the rest of the season. Oh, okay. Uh, so you may as well cut him. Conley was struggling even before. He went down and Carter, I'd say is, I mean, I would say because you have good guys available, I would drop them and then just try to pick them up back up later on. But definitely, I mean, Schroeder should be owned in all leagues, in my opinion, and Herder's really hot right now. So I'd add him and then just kind of use that third spot to just kind of stream whoever's hot or getting, you know, a short term injury bump like like the Thaddeus Young type player and just kind of keep rotating that third spot. But I'd say, yeah, Schroeder and Herder should be owned for sure. All right. All right that's uh, okay. That'll be my next moves. Uh, one of the moves I just made in that league was uh, something I, I, I read from you that to add Victor Oladipo, he was out there last week available. Uh, PJ Washington was on the end of my bench and I made that, made that swap. Uh, Oladipo is a guy that we come back and talk about the injuries has been out. Um, but sounds like the end of the month is when he plans to make his comeback. Are you are you expecting them to kind of slow play him a little bit when he comes back? Uh, when do you think we'll see full Victor Oladipo back on the court? 
Yeah, I think anytime a player misses a full year, right, you have to bring him back slowly. And that's uh, pretty much the timing for this. He ruptured his quad on January 23rd of last year, and he's planning to make his season debut January 29th, so pretty much exactly one year. And I would imagine he'll be having, you know, pretty tight minutes restrictions for a while and be sitting out back-to-backs, but maybe it, after the All-Star break or early March, we might be seeing the uh, old Oladipo, and he's obviously a top talent, was All-Star before he got hurt, and uh, has probably been improved, working on his game, improving his handle, improving his three-point shot. So, uh, I, yeah, I would say you'll want to add him now just because someone's going to swoop him up once uh, they see him on the floor. So add Oladipo, you're saying, cut Wendell Carter, cut Jonathan Isaac, cut Blake Griffin. Where are we at on Blake Griffin? Here's another guy who's had some injury struggles this year, uh, to say the least, and it uh, doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Right, so he finally decided to have surgery on his left knee on Tuesday. will be out for an extended rehabilitation period, according to the Pistons. And I think that means you just have to cut him loose. It looks like it's going to be a lost season for him. No reason for the Pistons to uh, rush him back. So I, I'd suggest replacing Griffin for sure. A guy we talked about uh, briefly last podcast, uh, Seku Dumboya, uh, had had a couple uh, started off with a couple of double doubles. Had a couple of duds recently, but he's still putting up some decent stat lines, and I think he'll continue to start and play play solid minutes and uh he's the youngest player in the nba so he'll be a little inconsistent but i like his talent and i think he's worth owning in deeper leagues but the pistons are a team with uh definitely some some question marks and not really sure what's going on uh, with some guys luke Kennard was supposed to be reevaluated and they haven't really updated him so no timetable for his return he's been out with the knee injury and so a guy that I picked up in a few leagues last week that I think is worth owning in deeper leagues as well is Bruce Brown. He's quietly been uh, very solid, kind of contributes across multiple categories. I uh, looked at over his last 13 games, he's averaging 11.6 points, not, not a huge score, 4.8 rebounds, 4.6 assists though, and 1.8 steals and 0.6 blocks. He's kind of like a guard version of Draymond Green, does the dirty work, uh, contributes in multiple areas so i like him as a pickup yeah i want to talk about bruce brown for a second because he's another guy like kevin herter delon wright in that league bruce brown was also there and i didn't you know i didn't know a lot about him i knew um so we're herter delon wright bruce brown uh i don't need scoring i got james harden and, and trey young and and brandon ingram in that league so scoring's been no problem. So if I'm just looking for rebounds and assists, you say he's, you know, he's been average over his last 13 games, almost five assists and five rebounds. Which where would you put him in that hierarchy with Wright and Herder? Oh yeah, he's definitely ahead of Delon Wright simply just because of how many minutes he's playing compared to Wright, and so he's just a lot more reliable. So, uh, so Herder behind Herder the, ahead of Wright. Yeah, Herder's the better shooter and better shooting percentages so i'd put him ahead but uh i'll get both yeah I, I would they're both there i so would make I'll him i would make brown your third pickup though i think i like that okay cool well we talk about blake griffin um and the injuries and you know and 
So this is going to kind of lead into, I want to talk about Sam Amick on The Athletic today. Uh, it was something I saw come across, and I was like, hey, this would be good for us to talk about. He put out his NBA trade big board, um, the 16 players who could move before the deadline. And number one on his board was Andre Drummond. So uh, we just talked about Blake Griffin and his injury uh, problems there. Uh what do you think the, you know, with Griffin out, what do you think the odds are that the Pistons decide to make a move on Drummond? Yeah, I mean, all the talk is that he's going to be moved. It kind of makes sense. Uh, he can be a free agent this summer if he declines his player option for next season. Obviously, he's looking for a max contract, one of the top big men in the league. And it doesn't make a lot of sense for Detroit to pay him that max money since they're very far from being contenders, especially with Griffin's uncertainty. Um, but because of his pending free agent status, uh, the Pistons may not get a huge haul that you would expect for for a talent like Drummond. And uh, But it certainly sounds like they're, they're willing to move him, and it's probably just kind of a, a bidding war right now of seeing who's going to give them the best offer, who can throw in the best uh, combination of draft picks or, or young talent. Ideally, they should be trying to get a promising center prospect in return simply because, you know, Christian Wood is is a good player, but I think he's just strictly a backup and he doesn't really have the, the strength to play center. And Thonmaker is still very young, but uh, he's yet to prove he's a starting caliber NBA player either. And uh, so, that, I mean, that is one reason why I like Domboya. Another reason is because... I think he's going to get those consistent minutes. And then, of course, if Drummond is moved, that's just more rebounds. Like, that's freeing up, you know, over it's 15 just a rebounds huge a game, right? So, yeah. And it seems so we'll like see. the Pistons are very committed to Domboya and just giving him time and letting him, letting him go. Yeah, more. it makes sense. And there's, you know, going to be plenty of stats available. So, another reason to, to like the, the Bruce Brown as well. And we'll see what kind of prospect they get in return. But, yeah, I'd say Drummond is definitely on the move. Um, well, so another guy that's high on Sam's board is uh, Robert Covington. He's another player like uh, Drummond on a team that's struggling in the T-Wolves, and he is kind of a 3-and-D extraordinaire, I would imagine, you know, for a team making a push in the playoffs, uh, his kind of skill set would be coveted. Uh, what's, what, uh, what do you think about the odds of him getting dealt? Yeah, Sam mentions uh, Robert Covington and – Marcus Morris. Uh, Morris is a guy that I've been saying, you know, should should been traded right. uh, f- for quite some time now. It doesn't really make sense for the Knicks uh, to <clears throat> to hang on to him. And so I would say those two guys are kind of uh, two, three, and D forwards that several contending teams are going to be looking at. And kind of if they strike out on their their first pick, you know, if Covington is the first option, then they would turn to Morris as the second option. But I think the uh, these two guys are definitely going to get a lot of interest in the next uh, few weeks. Covington is 29 years old. Morris is 30 years old. So it kind of makes sense for the Wolves and Knicks to trade them now while their value is still pretty high and kind of focus on developing their younger players. Minnesota has Keita Bates-Jop, who has uh, had some, some promising games this season, and Jake Lehman, uh, if he ever gets back on the floor, he's been out a really long time. Those are kind of some young, young, talented forwards they have. And then the Knicks, of course, have Kevin Knox, 
still just 20 years old. I think a lot of people are ready to give up on him already, but at such a young age, you know, you kind of have to see what what they can give you and uh, you never know how much how much improvement they can show and then Ignis Bradzakis too has barely played in the NBA this season, spent more time in the G League, but I think he's a very talented scorer and I'd like to see him get some run. Um Okay, so a guy that makes a lot of sense to me is number five on Sam Amick's list is Kyle Kuzma, who, you know, when the Lakers were struggling the last couple of years, uh, this was a young kind of, you know, a guy with his star on the rise and, you know, averaged 16 points out of the gate as a rookie, 18.7 last year. And now he's down to 12 points per game. His minutes are down about 10 from last year. Uh, clearly doesn't fit with the Anthony Davis, LeBron, uh, situation uh seems like it makes a lot of sense that he would get dealt if there's if they can find a taker for him right so one of the trade rumors that came out this past week was uh, a swap of kuzma for bogdan bogdanovich and uh that's probably uh more so on the lakers interest because uh, bogdanovich would give them that three-point shooting but also the playmaking ability that Kuzma doesn't really have and uh but Amick in the article says that the Kings have no interest in such a deal and they want to retain Bogdanovich but uh the issue with them is that they've given out a lot of money already and are going to have to re-up De'Aaron Fox soon and so do they have the cal- salary cap space to re-sign Bogdanovich uh, that remains to be seen so both of those guys could be on the move and uh very intriguing since they have proven fantasy ability and if you own either guy I would definitely hold on and kind of hope for a trade because they could both put up some big time numbers if they were to land in the right situation what i mean is is the kings a good situation for kuzma in your opinion um well i mean if if marvin bagley's injured then sure but yeah. uh yeah it's tricky with uh, bagley also there kind of playing the four all right uh Further on down Sam's list, Kevin Love at number 10, DeMar DeRozan at number 11. These are, you know, probably the two, maybe the arguably the two biggest names on the list outside of Andre Drummond um, as far as like known quantities and just uh, NBA cachet. Uh, were you surprised these guys weren't higher? Yeah, I was definitely surprised that Love wasn't higher considering uh, everything that's transpired over the past couple weeks. Love definitely wants out of Cleveland, and the Cavs should be motivated to move him. But I guess the issue is that Love is still owed uh, $91 million for the next three years after this season. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's a lot of money to play for a guy that uh, is going to be declining soon. But I feel like in most circumstances, he would be a good locker room guy. It doesn't seem like that's the case this year, but uh, I think that's more of Cleveland's own issues rather than the Kevin Love issue. And, uh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan makes a lot of sense. Um, has a $28 million player option for next season. And, um, you know, the Spurs right now uh, are out of the playoff picture. DeRozan... Uh, you know, he hasn't quite developed that three-point shot that uh, wings need to have in today's game. And uh, I I think the Spurs should be motivated to move him as well. But I hadn't heard of um, 
a rumor involving these two, but I thought that would make for a pretty decent swap. Uh, Kevin Love for DeMar DeRozan trade, pretty much matching salaries. And uh, obviously Cleveland would get off of Love's contract, which they should be trying to do, and they would probably throw in a draft pick or two just to make that happen. And uh, I could see Kevin Love fitting in on the Spurs, so that would be an interesting trade in my opinion. But could you see DeRozan fitting in uh, on the flip side? No, he would probably uh, just not listen to John Beeline at all and just go out and score. <laughs> just like all the other players. Game right? <laughs> and then opt out of his contract and get paid and go on elsewhere is what I assume would happen. But, yeah. I mean, still, in I mean, that's obviously not ideal for Cleveland, but just to get off of Kevin Love's contract, I think they should consider something like that. Yeah, is it weird to you? I mean, DeRozan is such a good score. He shoots over 50% from the field this year. Um, is mid-range king, but is it weird that he just has not even really even tried to develop that three-point shot? Right. I mean, even the seasons where he's shot the ball decent, he hasn't really tried to shoot it a whole bunch, right? And, uh, right. I mean, the way his, his form, uh, his shooting form, I can see why he's kind of an erratic shooter. But um, he just really loves that mid-range, I guess. Yeah, it's old school. Uh, so I was—I looked at this list. That was kind of the highlights. Uh, you know, there's 16 guys. Nowhere on there was a guy that we always mention almost every podcast about a uh, good chance of getting dealt, and that's Chris Paul. Do you still feel like, uh, you know, he's going to be a, you know, one of those guys that's likely to get dealt? And were you surprised that he wasn't on the list? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, the Thunder are playing so well. They're 8-2 uh, and two over their last 10 games. They made a, a big statement against the Rockets last night. And Paul seems pretty happy with that, with that uh, current team and kind of enjoying playing the underdog role and showing that he can still lead a, a team into the playoffs, even, you know, that people weren't expecting to happen. So I think he's kind of relishing in that role. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it seems seems like he's pretty content uh, on the Thunder. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's just like Oklahoma City's seventh right now in the West in terms of playoff standings. I, I think they're being realistic. It's nice that they're on a nice run, but um, this isn't going to be a team that I, I – I mean, just from my perspective, it doesn't look like a team that's going to push for a, a title or even to make it uh, out of the West – I just think, why wouldn't you if you could? Um, but uh, right, but I mean, the so the current matchup right now would be the Thunder against the Nuggets. The Nuggets have the number two seed right now, and I could right. see them at least pushing that to seven games. Like the Nuggets, you know, have have had their own issues, uh, and uh, that'd be actually an entertaining series, in my opinion. Stephen Adams against Jokic, and Paul would kind of uh, love to to make a statement in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I guess, you know, you win a couple, if you can win a playoff series and get, you know, deep into the next one, you get a bunch of home games. That's just, you know, it's money in the owner's pocket. So I guess there's incentive there uh, to stay the course, maybe. Um, All right. Well, I wanted to, before we talk about, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, we had a, you had a question that you kind of brought up. We were late to put it out on Twitter, so we didn't get a bunch of responses yet. But I'm curious your thoughts on it. The Twitter poll question was, which rookie guard will be the most valuable the rest of the way? And some of these guys we've talked about. Um, but your your list of five uh, rookie guards were R.J. Barrett, Darius Garland, Jarrett Culver, 
Colby White and Tyler Hero. So, um, as I said, not a bunch of responses yet. So I think what we'll do is just uh, you give me your response, and then uh, you know if we get more responses down the road, we can circle back and talk about this in the next week or two. But uh, if you had to choose between those guys, since it's your your question, uh, curious which way you go. Right. Well, uh, the obvious omission from this group is John Morant, right? And he's been playing like right. a stud. But these other guys have kind of uh, disappointed a little bit, especially R.J. Barrett. Um, so my pick uh, right now would be Darius Garland. I've been watching him lately. He's looking uh, really comfortable, and he just has the ball in his hands so much more uh, compared to these other guards. And uh, I think, you know, obviously that's going to continue to happen. Cleveland just needs to see what he can do and develop him as much as possible. So he's just going to have the ball in his hands a ton. And uh, like Tristan Thompson had a really big game yesterday, but Garland was doing a lot of that, setting him up and creating, feeding it to him for easy buckets. And he's uh, he's a good shooter. Definitely uh, over 80% from the free throw line, much better shooter than Culver. And I'd say that's the advantage uh, he has over Jared Culver is, you know, Jared, much better defensively and at least in terms of fantasy wise he's got the long arms to to get the deflections rack up the steals and blocks that garland doesn't do but i'd say garland gets the edge uh because of his shooting ability you know if i'm guessing i'm just going to try to put these in in rank order of what i think you think uh i'm gonna go garland culver hero white barrett oh barrett last huh yeah i I don't i don't know i mean it He's been he's like you said he's been struggling. I thought he'd be so much better, but and there's still plenty of time for him to be so much better. But uh, just been pretty disappointed in what he's done at, to this point. Yeah, I've yet to form um, a, a concrete uh, opinion on Barrett just because I have tried to avoid watching Knicks games at all this season. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be honest, I haven't watched much of him beyond just you know looking at his stats and just occasionally catching a glimpse of their games. But he's he's been the biggest disappointment, I think, as far as rookies go. And uh, I would still expect him to pick up his play and be more valuable than Kobe White and possibly Hero. But, you know... It's, it's, it's Hero just too limited. It's kind of just a score. Um, doesn't do enough in the defensive categories. Is that... Well, I'd say it's more, you know, an issue of Miami being a deep team and a playoff team, right? So there's not going to be that need to just give him the ball and let him score 20 points a game like I'm sure he would love to do because they're trying to win games, right? As opposed to these other guys, you know, Garland especially, he's going to get as many shots as as he wants. And so, and... I would assume that will happen with Barrett. I'm not, like I said, I haven't watched enough to to know what's going on with him. But uh, the Knicks definitely need to make some moves, and I would love to see them shake up their roster at the trade deadline because that team needs a lot of help. Yeah, it's something that's kind of it's a broken record for the last decade plus on the Knicks. Right. That team needs right. a lot of help. Uh, Darius Garland is your choice. He is available in. Uh, 65% of Yahoo League. So there you go. Eric likes Darius Garland of that group. 
Uh, if he's out there getting a ton of time, it might be worthwhile for you to grab him as well. All right, Eric, uh, we've kind of worked through all the things we're going to talk about, so we always finish off with weekend games to watch. So why don't you take us through uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what we should be looking for? Uh, definitely for tonight, Friday night ESPN game. They picked a really good one, Lakers at Mavericks. We get to see another round of LeBron versus Luka, and that's pretty much uh, must-see TV in my opinion. If there's anyone out there you know that maybe used to be an NBA fan and is no longer an NBA fan, I would say make them watch that game and see if you can change their opinion. And Sunday, the game to watch, I'd say, is Clippers at Nuggets. Those are the two teams out west that are currently seated second and third. The Clippers have had some struggles lately. Uh, Paul George uh, is dealing with a hamstring issue right now, so unknown if he'll play in that game. But the second through uh, sixth seeds out west are uh, only three games apart, and we're going to see lots of movement in those positions the rest of the way. And that's going to be like a good dogfight uh, to to determine those uh, playoff positioning battles uh, from here on out. So anytime uh, two of those teams match up, it should be fun. Yeah, that's that's going to be a good one. LeBron versus Luka is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a couple of good games. Uh, good stuff by you, as always, Eric. Uh, that's going to uh, do it for us on this week's edition of Dunks and Dimes. Uh, just a reminder, you can follow me at Brandon Funston. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil on Twitter. You can also follow him on The Athletic. And, of course, just a reminder, if you want to get a subscription to The Athletic, go to athletic theathletic.com backslash Dunks and Dimes. You can get 40% off. Uh, that gets you access to... Uh, this pod, Eric stuff online. You also get access to all the other NBA pods. Lots of great uh, podcasts out there. And if you uh, do get access to them, uh, you can check them out on iTunes and Spotify. And we always love it and appreciate it if you give us a quick rating and review. So with that, we wish everybody a great weekend, including you, Eric. Good luck uh, with your swimming event this weekend. Um, all right. Thanks a lot. And- I'm expecting a full report the next time uh, we talk, which will be next Friday on the next edition of Dunks and Dimes. Until then, have a great week, everyone.